This is the Big Issues Better Pod. Acting today for a better tomorrow. Even in my relatively privileged position, having not faced financial insecurity, you know, not having that same lived experience, I struggle with my mental health. So I can only imagine how much harder I would have found the challenge of managing my mental health if I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. We're in the middle of a cost of living crisis. It is serious and real and frightening. As we cover every week in The Big Issue magazine and every day on BigIssue.com, increasing numbers of people cannot cope and rising numbers of people have had enough. Hollywood celebrity and star of the superb Midsummer and The Revenant, Will Poulter is among the latter. That was his voice you've just heard. Ahead of taking his place in the Marvel Universe as Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's decided to use his influence to take a stand against rampant unfairness by supporting charity Turn To Us. Turn To Us helps people in financial hardship to gain access to welfare benefits, charitable grants and support services. They've seen demand for their services rocket in recent years. They help more than 2 million people a year find out what benefits they're eligible for, and in the last year they awarded more than 3 million in grants. Through his involvement with Turn To Us, Will has made friends with Anita Lewis. Anita's a 49-year-old single mother and has experienced financial hardship herself. Her story, which she shares with us today on BetterPod, shows just how easily someone can find themselves in that situation, even when working a full-time job. I'm Laura Kelly, Future Generations Editor at The Big Issue. Today on BetterPod, Will and Anita join me to talk about the systematic inequality that plagues the UK and whether it can be fixed. We're here today in the Turn To Us office in London and I'm with Will and Anita. Thanks very much for joining us on BetterPod. I understand that you two have met before, so tell me a little bit about how you met. When was it? I think it was last last month, wasn't it? It was about a month ago. Yes, here. last yeah. month. Um, I got an email and um, was asked if I wanted to come in and, and speak with Will and uh, share my lived experience. So, of course, I took that opp- opportunity. Um, I thought there was going to be a group of us here to meet <laughs> right. you. So I was really shocked when I was like... Oh, I'm the only one here. That's cool. <laughs> I can handle that. So, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's when we met and I kind of shared what I'd been through. So, yeah. yeah. Which I was really grateful for, obviously. And, uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to meet with a few people at Turn To Us, but getting the opportunity to sit down with Anita, you know, as a lived expert and, and kind of, you know, you were so generous to share your experience with me and educate me on a lot of things that I didn't know. It was, uh, it was really great. And we had a, we had a laugh too. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, a really, really kind of enjoyable day. Anita, I'd love to start by getting you to tell us a little bit about your story. Um, so first of all, just tell me a little bit about yourself, your background bef- before you've had anything to do with Turn To Us. Oh, um... I worked for the NHS. I worked for the NHS for 16 years um, as an administrator, worked in various departments. Um, And at the time, well, gosh, I'm trying to think now. I was working in mental health and absolutely loved, loved working there. But I was bullied out of my job. Um, My face 
just didn't, didn't fit anymore. So, um, so I left there. Um, I left there and went on sick because my, my doctor signed me off because I was just going through a lot of, uh, lot of stress. My father had died at the time from cancer. Um, I had problems with my house. There was like damp mold and I needed to be moved into temporary accommodation. Um, and being a single parent and working full time, just the whole lot, everything just came on top of me. Um, so my doctor signed me off sick. Um, and then I decided I didn't want to go back to that, that job. So I started looking for some other work and um, I started working in a primary school, but it was part time. Mm -hmm. But I'd done um, a couple of benefit calculators and from them it told me that I would be okay. So I made the move, took the part time job, but then my tax credits were cut and I was told I'd received my year's entitlement. Wow. So that must have been a desperate shock. Yeah. Because all the bills that I was paying and managing, it's like all of a sudden now I can't manage them because I was only earning, I think it was just earning just under £400 a month. Um, so then I applied for housing benefit, council tax benefit. Um, it got to the point where with all the bills, I didn't want red letters coming in because I just thought that's just going to add like more and more stress. So mm. I went and saw an advisor and she advised me to take a debt relief order out. Um, afterwards, when I thought, think about it, it's like she really rushed me through, mm. through that. Um, and all the stress and everything, I didn't really think it through. So I done it. Um, and to this day, today, I'm still affected by that because I, my credit score is, yeah, it's completely rubbish. So, um, so anything like if I want to get anything on credit, um, I can't or I find it difficult because then it's places that very, very high interest. Yeah. Um, I eventually... I think it was for a year, I worked in the primary school on that part-time job and I kept asking them for more hours, um, nothing was coming up and it got to the point where I was struggling to buy food and one of um, the teachers in the school got me a voucher and to send me to a food bank and that's the first time in my life that I'd been, you know, to a food bank and um, that broke my heart. I had to go in the evening. I took my daughter with me. She had no clue. She had no, she was just happy that they were feeding her like biscuits and juice. And I'm thinking, it's late. She ate all that sugar. I've got to get out of bed. <laughs> but she had no understanding of, you know, I was getting given all of this food and I had to put it in my trolley to drag mm. it all home because I couldn't afford the bus fare, you know, to get home. And even working in that part-time job, I couldn't even afford the bus fare to get to the job. So I'd walk for half an hour to get there, do the work, and then I'd walk half an hour back. Um, 
So it was hard. It was really hard. But because that particular school weren't giving me any extra hours, I thought, you know what, I need to start looking for another job. Mm. So I did, and I got a full-time job in a secondary school. Um, and that helped out much more because I'm now on a full-time sort of wage and that felt sort of like I started to get myself back on my feet. Um, and then I needed things like for, for the home, but I couldn't afford it and I couldn't, I couldn't afford to pay it outright and I couldn't get credit. And that's when I became involved really with, with Turn To Us because I applied for a grant, got a grant, and I was really shocked at the amount that they gave me. And it really kind of helped me out, it really helped me out. Um, I could buy these things that I needed like for, for my home. And I signed up for the newsletter and every time I'd get the newsletter, I'd always read like through it. And then I saw an opportunity to join a committee. And I just kind of thought, well, they helped me. Because when I was going through difficult times, I would apply to the council and, and apply to other places. And you was always getting told, no, that door shut in, in your face. And turned to us, didn't. They didn't shut the door in my face. And for me, that kind of really warmed like my heart. And I just thought, reading through like their news emails, that's what really kind of inspired me. I need to give back now. Someone helped me. Now I'm back on my feet. How can I help some someone else? Do you mind if I take you back? Because you said about going to the food bank and that breaking your heart, and it, it can be a very emotional experience um, finding yourself in that situation. With you know, especially whenever you're working, because I think people find it very shocking that you can be working and still end up not being able to make ends meet for you and your family. But I hope you don't mind me asking. But can you take us through that kind of emotional journey for you when you you sort of find realize that you couldn't make it work? I'm trying to think of the words, the emotions I felt. I mean, obviously, I felt sad. I felt like a failure as a mother. Um, and I didn't want to go to like family friends because they've got their own families and um, you know they've got their own like bills. And I'm a type of person I do things on like my own. Um, and I think in some uh, at that point, uh, it's not easy to ask for for help, right? Because as soon as you you ask, that's it. It's almost like then you're admitting to yourself, I've, I failed here. Somewhere along the line, I have failed. Even though it wasn't my fault, mm. them, them doubts, you know, you, they say you have the little devil and the angel on your shoulder. That devil's speaking to you and saying, yeah, look at you, you've gone, you've failed. Well, when you hear any of the teller story, I mean, it's, it's very emotional to, to hear you talk about that. Mm. How does it make you feel when you're when you're hearing that going on, you know, in our country? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I think you make a good point in the context of the country that we live in. It's totally wrong that um, someone like Anita in her position where she's working every hour that God sends against, you know, the tide of so much unfairness, um, you know, and is forced into a position where 
basic things that people are entitled to um, in, a, in a country as, as wealthy as this, you know, um, are unaffordable after, you know, you've paid your, your housing bills, your council tax, your utility bills to not be able to uh, access, you know, uh, food is um, just sort of uh, unthinkably unfair. And I think, um, you know, the, the sort of story that Anita's just shared and, and the things that you've shared with me in the past, you know, have really kind of underscored, I think, the importance of addressing um, the, the narrative as it currently exists around, you know, benefits. And I think the way that benefits have, have been represented in the, in the media in the past, you know, I think uh, almost half of service users have turned to us are, are in work. You know, so that's before we even get into, you know, uh, a conversation about the things that prohibit people from being able to to, to get work. Um, and still what's being reflected is that this system as it currently exists and universal credit isn't sort of matching up to the cost of living. And that cost of living is is only on the rise. So um, I think, again, Anita's story just kind of points to sort of how many people are trying their absolute best in the face of a really, really unfair and a, and a, and a kind of uh, uh, increasingly unfair scenario. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that you felt like you'd learnt from Anita mm. when you when you spoke to her, and I have, and I'm sure our listeners will feel that way as well. For you, what was it that really struck you? That you know, that kind of surprised you, I suppose. I think um, just how vastly different my lived experience has been. You know, I think, um, and this goes back to I think one of the, the issues around benefits, the, the semantics of it as well, is benefits in a lot of people's eyes is misunderstood as something that is, it's like a sort of added luxury or extra that people are, are getting that other people aren't. Well, no, what benefits are actually is it's a means of compensation that is trying and actually failing currently, but trying to account for the unfairness that people arrive in, the, the, the place of disadvantage that people find themselves in. And, you know, I don't know what it's like to go without food. You know, I haven't faced food insecurity. I am very fortunate in that I was born into a very different set of circumstances. And I think it's about people being realistic about that and acknowledging that, you know, and also understanding that, uh, you know, lots of people um, are not so fortunate and uh, lots of people have to work uh, a great deal harder against a much sort of... Uh, harder set of circumstances so so you know learning from Anita has definitely kind of um sort of enforced that you know impression on me and um I think it's also just sort of speaks to the need to address the system as it currently stands because more and more people are are being forced into poverty 14.4 million adults as it currently stands 3.6 million children you know that in the UK those sorts of figures are really really shameful to be to be quite frank coming up the relationship between financial insecurity and mental health. Did you know you can get The Big Issues award-winning journalism through your door every week? As a Better Pod listener, you can sign up to get a four-week subscription to the best in news, politics and culture for just £12. And we'll even throw in a stylish tote bag for free. Go to bigissue.com bigpod to find out more. I mean, I think I can start to get some idea of why you want the support to turn to us. And um, and you've spoken really eloquently about the problems there, but mm. why this charity? I mean, you know, the, why did these people really inspire you? 
Well, I think, um, first of all, you know, the, the overarching, I think, theme of their work, as you touched upon, Anita, is that, you know, they're trying to help people. They're trying to help people who are more than deserving of help, you know, and they're trying to address unfairness and inequality. And so it's really hard to argue with that as a cause. You know, I think that is just a really kind of honorable, righteous cause. Um, secondly, you know, my family will work in the health sector. So like Anita, you know, a lot of my family members work in the NHS and um, a lot of my family members, myself included, have struggled with mental health. And I think you can't talk about these sort of, um, the, the, the stress and the emotional impact as you touched upon Anita of financial insecurity without considering its overlap with, with mental health. Um, you know, it's reported that uh, half of people who are in problem debt have also been diagnosed with a mental health issue. So that's a really important thing to acknowledge as well. And, you know, even in my relatively privileged position, having not faced financial insecurity, you know, not having that same lived experience, I struggle with my mental health. So I can only imagine how much harder I would have found the challenge mm -hmm. of managing my mental health if I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. Or like Anita, if I was working every hour that was available to me and I was still unable to, you know, get those basics for my home. Or, or you know, if I was in a position where I was responsible for a child who I had to feed, you know. So these sorts of things, I think, not only kind of reinforce in my mind just, just how fortunate I am, but, but also critically, how many people, how many millions of people are facing a very, very different set of challenges. Do you mind if I ask you what, what um, challenges you face with your own mental health? Yeah, so I was, I was diagnosed in my teens with depression and generalized anxiety disorder and also OCD um, and uh, still got them, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate that I, I've been able to kind of um, uh, receive therapy and, and you know, um, treatment for that. And it's kind of an ongoing journey and, and something that, you know, I'm fortunate that I have kind of familial support around and a lot of un understanding around it. Um, but what it's also done is sort of, I think, uh, you know, increased my understanding or my awareness of, of how that affects other people and how, you know, I think financial insecurity, which I've been protected from through privilege, actually, you know, the, the, the relationship between financial insecurity and mental health is it's a sort of cycle. It's, it's, it's a self-perpetuating issue. And, you know, the stress of financial insecurity, I think, forces someone into, um, you know, suffering certain mental health issues and certain mental health issues, of course, impact, you know, uh, the degree to which someone is able to kind of fight against financial insecurity. And, and that's why support is so, so needed. And I think that's why services like Turn to Us, which provide kind of practical advice and, you know, actionable responses that you know, provide grants that you don't need to pay back as well. You know, this is key because I think it accounts for as best as they're able. It accounts for where the system as it currently stands doesn't actually adequately support people. Well, I do wonder, this is, it's quite a strange um, thing for you. I must, I can only imagine to kind of to go from, we know you're about to do the Marvel film. We know that it's like, you know, this kind of Hollywood lifestyle that we all imagine from you and then kind of coming in here today. And like, I have to say for our listeners, you came in just on your own, just like a regular guy, which I have interviewed many Hollywood people and they don't necessarily always do that. Um, so I wonder with all of that stuff going on, is this one of the things you do to keep your feet in the ground or is it just always been, or do you find that kind of remaining grounded to be something that comes naturally to you? 
I don't know. I, I, I mean, um, you know, my, my, my job is sort of in many ways um, totally separate, but I recognize how aspects of my job or the platform that comes with my job, whether that's, you know, characterized by, you know, online presence or being in the media or having opportunities to talk to folks such as yourself. Um, I appreciate how that platform allows me to speak about the things I'm really passionate about. And I think I feel passionate about how unfair things are uh, in our in our country regarding the, the cost of living. And it's kind of as, as simple as that. And the fact that, um, you know, uh, so many service users are reliant on turn to us because, as I said before, you know, uh, systematically people are being failed. And, you know, if I may say the government are not sort of doing enough, I think, to support people when, you know, really, um, we, we know factually that uh, things could be very, very different um, and, and ought to be. So it, it's kind of it's kind of as simple as that for me. Yeah. Do you, do you feel a career in politics coming on? <laughs> no, I'd, uh, I'd rather I'd rather stay. I, I, I uh, yeah, I'm absolutely terrified uh, of, of that world. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think everyone's better off that I, I, if I, I leave the uh, I leave the sort of uh, uh, world building to folks like you know those who work at Turn to Us and uh, and yeah and I, I keep out the way. Looking at where we're at right now, it is frightening. I mean, I don't think there's any way that we can pretend otherwise. Uh, I know this morning on my way down in the train, I saw that the energy bills are to reach four thousand two hundred and sixty-six pounds from from January for your average people, and you know that. That has people who would have been considered pretty comfortable previously hmm. really frightened. I'm interested to hear, like, what do you think when you look out there and what do you think about, you know, where people are at in the UK? I mean, at the moment, myself, I'm on um, a fixed tariff, so that doesn't um, end until April next year. So I am really concerned what, what they're going to do for, for me and other people that are on fixed um, tariffs how that's going to affect, because it's already starting to affect some people. A friend of mine, she actually sent me a screenshot that her supplier has recommended that she starts paying over £600 like a month. Well, I don't, I don't understand where they, you know, they expect people to, to get, get that from. Right. We often on the podcast uh, try to end with a bit of hope. Hmm. Um, I understand that that's difficult at the moment because things are difficult, but acknowledging it as a systemic issue, do you, do you think we could live in a better society? Is a better society for future generations possible, do you think? Um, no. <laughs> no, because there's always been poverty. And if I'm talking earlier, like I said 40 years ago, my mum was like going going through that and we've still got that right now it's never going to change yeah i'm sorry so to hear it, that anita yeah that's i mean that's how i feel you know are, are you any more hopeful will how do you feel well I, th I think anita being the lived expert is is far more qualified than me to, to to sort of comment but i if i have a hope it's that people will open themselves up to the possibility of being re-educated if you like or that miseducation will get kind of addressed you know and and people won't hold these misconceptions around how people are in certain situations and, and they'll see the reality of 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 the situation which is that it's a systemic issue i think really that can only be 
that challenge can only be met by um, kind of addressing, you know, what information is out there. And that's why I think turn to us is how many more campaign is really important. A campaign that's asking how many more people are going to be pushed into financial insecurity. And I think also it's incumbent on people like myself who can't necessarily relate to this directly to sort of understand how their experience is different to other people. And if they are genuinely interested in contributing to fairness and equality, because I think a lot of people profess that, but don't necessarily uh, know how to action it, um, you know, look no further than an organization like Turn To Us, you know, and, and consider donating. Um, I think that that would be a really uh, a great place to start. Thank you both for um, for discussing that because I think that it, this is a really important conversation for for our listeners to hear. Before I let you escape, we ask everybody on Better Pod the same three questions to finish off every week. Mm. The first of them is, what's one bit of advice you wish you'd known earlier? I would, you know, what I would say for me at school, I was like completely convinced that because I had dyslexia, like me and books were never going to get on and reading was not for me and because I was sort of you know one of the slower readers in the class and it took me forever to get through whatever you know book was kind of you know part of the curriculum I thought uh, you know me and books just don't get on but actually in like later life and it wasn't until I was sort of like 25 I'm kind of ashamed to say I got back into reading for the purpose of my mental health and I believe it was a comedian called Caitlin Moran on Twitter who made the point that reading has been really beneficial for our mental health. And I thought, oh, reading erodes at my mental health. You know, it makes me, it makes my brain ache. But actually, I wish I had seen the kind of benefits of sort of escapism that I can, you know, um, enjoy from a good book. I remember, I wish I hadn't have listened to my mum when I was little. <laughs> because I remember wanting to be, um, I wanted to be a ballerina. Hmm. But my mum said, because um, I was quite a chunky child, and she said to me, you'd be like an elephant going across the street. Aww. And I wish I, I wish I hadn't have listened to her yeah. and I had have just gone for it. But I, I used um, my physique and became, uh, I was really good at running. Okay, so what's one bit of art that gives you hope for the future? I've, I've got to say, my, my favourite is the colour purple. Mm. I Great love, choice. Yeah. My daughter's actually named after one of the characters and the cat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh. Um, we did have fish and they, so I had the whole cast of like the colour purple. But um, yeah, I think for, for me that, that film, obviously the main character, Seeley, and what, what she kind of went, went through and how she came in in the end for me that she never gave up she never gave up no no matter what happened to her yeah she never gave up a, a thing that provided me with a lot of comfort during kind of lockdown was a, a, a piece called inside by a comedian called Bo Burnham uh, the focus of it being sort of mental health and systemic inequality um, all from the perspective of someone you know, locked inside a room for the best part of a year. And he sort of recorded uh, this entire thing and produced it within, you know, the one room that he was confined to for uh, the duration of the kind of pandemic. And uh, it's just a really, really 
brilliant, honest, um, kind of empathic perspective on the, the state of the world. It's also funny, um, which I think is something that kind of everyone needs from time to time. Um, and as, as much as it makes a really interesting, astute, smart, critical point about so many different things in society, it's also a great laugh and very creative. And uh, I've watched it over 10 times. I'm sort of slightly obsessed with it. So Inside is a, is a piece of art, particularly from such a young person as well. It gives me kind of some, some hope for the future. And finally, what's one thing our listeners can do today to make a better tomorrow? Certainly supporting Turn To Us, I think would be a, a, a wonderful um, way to go beyond buying the big issue, of course. But um, I think in the face of rising challenges regarding the cost of living and you know growing rates of um, injustice, I think considering supporting a organisation that is sort of committed to trying to create a little bit more fairness in the face of unfairness and provide people with you know information support practical advice to manage financial insecurity because i think as we touched upon we don't feel like you know there's necessarily enough being done at a government level so organizations like turn to us are really reliant on donations and i think um you know people sort of lending their their financial support to to their work that would definitely make a uh, an immediate impact and 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 certainly you know the the world that little bit better yeah that's a really good practical thing right can do right now so yeah. thank you for that uh, no, of course i think on on my side as i said before about um turn to us helped me so i i wanted to you know help back um and one of the things it, it did for me was, this was obviously during like COVID um, lockdowns and stuff. I resigned um, from my job and I started university. So I, I already just completed my first, first year. I go back September to do my second year. Congratulations. Thank mm. you. <laughs> but I wouldn't have done that if it hadn't been for, for Turn to Us because it really kind of, gave me a passion that I wasn't necessarily feeling in that particular NHS role what I was doing. Mm. Um, and I would just say, I think, say to people, if, if, if you can give back something from experience, if, if financially, if you can donate, that, then great. But then if, if you can give back some sort of experience to, to your own community, a wider community, I would say say do do that mm. because that's what, what I'm working towards now. I want, I want to finish my degree um, and then go into some sort of work where I am helping helping the community. And I've only learned that from doing co-production with with Turn to Us. Did you mind if I ask what degree you're doing? Psychosocial community work. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I definitely think that we need that in the world. That's, that, that's really important. Thank you so much, both of you. That's been a really amazing chat. I think we've, we've covered so much. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so Thanks much for that. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate it. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for listening to Better Pod. If you'd like to support us, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. We're relying on word of mouth to bring people into our conversation and to help us all discover how we can act today for a better tomorrow.
You can keep up with all the big issues reporting at bigissue.com, where you can also discover how to find your local vendor. If you're worried about your financial situation, you can find out more about Turn To Us at turntous.org.uk. The link is in the notes for this episode of BetterPod.